and welcome to today's episode of Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Lisa Davies about her extensive knowledge both in the therapeutic world and the corporate world and how she uses her skills to inspire individuals and to help them reach their purpose. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on today. So I've seen you in passing for quite a few years at the wellbeing shows and heard lots of fantastic things about you. And then, what, two and a bit years ago now, I contacted you for an emergency session. So it was just prior to us buying the house that we live in now. And there was lots of problems with it. We knew it was a bit of a strange property, a renovation property. But a few days before we were due to move, the solicitor had uncovered yet another issue that we didn't know about. And I was completely torn because I'd fallen in love with the house and my heart said, you meant to be there. Yeah. But my head yeah. was screaming, what on earth are you doing? This is going to cost you so much money over a prolonged period of time. And I just felt stuck. And you, for wherever the universe gave it to me, you just popped into my head and I thought, she's never going to be free right today before I contact the solicitor. But I sent you a message and I was like, I don't suppose you could see me for a reading. And I don't think that's even something you particularly do anymore. But you'd had something that just happened to cancel for that moment. So the you universe could fit was, me in. Yeah, the universe <laughs> had, uh, had it all planned out. Absolutely. And you just settled me so much. So do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about that process to start with? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So um, I'm Lisa Davies, for those people listening. Uh, I have kind of two titles, Chief Inspiration Officer, and often I'm known as the Flamingo Lady. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? The Flamingo Lady thing came out of, I opened a national conference as keynote speaker and I was doing a talk on be a flamingo and a flock of pigeons oh I love that and it was uh, for women in rural enterprise it was their national conference and so it was a a totally female audience and it was really connecting with because they were all self-employed connecting them back in with why did they begin Mm -hmm. you know that feeling when you're just setting out in business it's exciting you're creative it's also a little bit scary but you've got, you're full of all these ideas. And as you get into your business over a period of time, sometimes you just get so busy either doing mm-hmm. it or trying to work on it whilst in between doing whatever yeah. you do that you sometimes lose sight of why you began. Mm-hmm. So it's very much getting them in back in tune with that. What was that first initial feeling like and reconnecting with uh-huh. the feeling? of setting out and that beginner's mind and then looking at what gifts they bring to the world that are unique to them in whatever business they were in and that's where the beer flamingo and a flock of pigeons comes in because it doesn't matter what you're doing there'll be loads of other people doing Mm -hmm. what you do whether that's therapies selling stuff creating stuff whatever you do there'll be loads of other people doing that Mm -hmm. But what you bring to the world is totally unique. Yep. And how do you stand out like the flamingo rather than just merge into the crowd? Mm-hmm. So that's where the flamingo lady comes in. And the chief inspiration officer, I am a director of uh, a business with my husband as mm-hmm. well as being a therapist. 
And that's all about personal development and certainly focuses on leadership development, but from a psychological point of view. But I bring the fun. We've got Mm -hmm. a set of company values and one of the values is fun. And so that's where the title Chief Inspiration Officer was coined because I bring the fun (laughs) and hopefully a little bit of inspiration into the work we do with that. Um, Yeah, so yeah, so that's kind of in a nutshell, the two sides of my work life is uh, leadership, people development, Mm -hmm. and then the therapeutic and more spiritual side. It's all about people, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you're doing an amazing job, just inspiring people in different areas. I'm always hearing people saying, oh, do you know, Lisa, she does this, she organises this. I've been to an event and everybody comes away appearing like they're really positive and really engaged with what you've delivered. So you're obviously doing something very well. It's nice to hear. You don't always hear it yourself, to be fair. It's, it's nice to hear what other people say when you're not listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Absolutely. That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, I, I love what I do. I love working with people and helping them to live and work with purpose and passion. Uh-huh. That's basically what it comes down to. I want people to feel that they're living a purposeful life. Amazing. So where did that all begin? Where did that all begin? Well, um, I used to work in the corporate world. Okay. I had a long career in the corporate world in all sorts of different positions from frontline management to senior leadership to organisational change and behavioural change stuff, Mm -hmm. projects. Uh, I worked in all sorts of different industries. My last proper job was as a regional sort of area manager for a bank. Okay. Uh, That was a short-lived affair <laughs> didn't actually like it I was made redundant at the end of that uh, and it was the greatest gift ever I was made redundant with no redundancy package Gosh, that's scary so I'd only been there for a short period of time um but if I, if I kind of uh, go back a little bit further uh, my daughter's about to be 31 at the weekend mm-hmm. and after I had my daughter I had severe postnatal depression okay And uh, regardless of that, I managed to go back to work. I have no idea how Mm -hmm. I went back to work. I went back to work quite, quite quickly. But I was really unwell. I was really poorly. And after, you know, going to see my GP, all they could do really was give me antidepressants. They were very helpful, Mm -hmm. but they weren't even the sort of counselling services or support back then. I think I was actually, I think I was referred to the mother and baby unit. And if I was an inpatient, at Queen's Med, which okay. was actually seeing a psychiatrist. I was mm-hmm. so poorly. Oh, bless um, and I was just very wary of all of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that medical approach. And But eventually I started to, to heal and, and get better. Um, and whilst I was back at work, I was in a really high-pressured, high-powered mm-hmm. sort of role, travelling up and down the country, whilst also having a small baby wow, back at home. Long. And uh, I caught a bug that was going around the team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a fluey bug, one of those wintry yeah. fluey bugs, and I didn't recover. Oh. And first they just said, oh, it's post-viral syndrome. Then they said, well, it's uh, chronic fatigue or ME after six mm-hmm. months. And part of that was I got really bad migraines. Apart from other symptoms, mm-hmm. I got really severe migraines. And it just happened to be in our village shop in the village that we were living in at the time. And I saw a little sign in the in the village shop window that said, reflexology, can help with migraines. I thought, well, I've tried everything else. All the doctors can give me is pills. Yeah. 
Um, so they can't really do anything else for me. So I want to try this reflexology. Mm -hmm. So I booked a course of 10 sessions okay. off the bat. Wow. And within five sessions, I was completely cured. Amazing. And I thought, wow, this is miraculous. Uh -huh. And that I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to train as a reflexology. Wow. And I did. And that was the first therapy that I learned. Uh, we'll talk about the spiritual side of stuff as well, because uh -huh. that goes on much further back. But in terms of the first therapy modality yeah. that I learned was reflexology. Um, and that was 23 years ago. Gosh, so you've been a therapist for a long time then. Yeah, so, yeah, 23, yeah, yeah, 23 coming up 24 years ago. Wow. So, yeah, so for a long time. So I was uh, absolutely hooked then. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly, I had two tutors when I was learning to be a reflexology. Uh, one left halfway through. So the first one was also a sports therapist. So okay. I got very much... Obviously, when you do a qualification like that, it was very intense, uh, lots of anatomy and physiology, that type of stuff. Uh, but she, because she was a sports therapist, I got a lot of the clinical scientific side yeah. of reflexology. And then she left halfway through my course. And the second tutor I got was a homeopath and a very spiritual homeopath. So the second half of my course, I got lots more about energy, spiritual side, um, uh, you know, metaphysical side of reflexology. So it was perfect. Really. What a great balance to what have it all. What a great balance. What a great balance. Um, and that from there on in, I trained in many therapies. Uh, I think the next therapy I trained in was Reiki to master mm -hmm. level, crystal therapy, uh, thermoauricular therapy, Lomi Lomi, Ayurvedic massage. Um, what else? Oh, you know, then it was much later on than I went on to NLP, hypnosis, yeah. timeline, mm -hmm. EMDR, EFT, energy psychology. Um, in between all of that, I had some uh, archangel attunements. And so I've spanned everything from the very clinical to the extreme fringes of the esoteric side of things. But that's perfect, isn't it? Because us humans are so vast and complicated and we're yeah. a mix of it all. We're a mix of the mental, emotional, physical, social, energetic Absolutely. and spiritual. So if you're touching on all of those areas, it means you've got a greater toolbox to help whoever's in front of you. Yeah, and people don't tend to book in for a reflexology session or a Reiki session no. or an NF. They just book in. They want to work with you as a therapist. Absolutely. They've heard that you've helped somebody else or they've listened to you do a talk or something and they know that they want to work with you. And like you say, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that they want one particular modality. They just want the outcome of getting Absolutely. better. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, I was kind of bitten by the therapy <laughs> bug then and, and trained in lots of different therapies. Um, oh, yeah, Thai massage in that time wow. as well. Oh, I mean, I've lost count of the different therapies <laughs> that, I, that I trained in. I wouldn't say that I use all of those modalities no. now. I've got certain modalities that I, you know, mm -hmm. that I've become more specialised in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's my therapy journey. Amazing. Firmly. So what main therapies do you tend to specialise in now? Uh, a lot of the talking therapies under the umbrella of NLP. Yeah. Uh, reflexology, Reiki, energy stuff. Uh -huh. um, some of the more sort of quirky spiritual energy. I think my clients kind of call it Lisa's hippie shit in fact in in the in the corporate world when we're doing training with directors and leaders they get Lisa's hippie shit as well and they love it they love it we warn them up front that they're going to get that 
But then the interesting thing is in that side of the business as well, all of the key people that work with us, so my husband's a trained therapist, and then we have associates that work with us. Um, and every single one of them is also a therapist. Amazing, which makes such a difference, doesn't it? Because I know sometimes when you go into that corporate world, um, one of my friends was talking about it the other day, and they've just got somebody in that isn't qualified in anything they're training. They've clearly just gone on to Google or wherever, read some books, and now they're delivering a course to a business on something that they don't know anything about, mm. which is a bit scary, actually, but especially when a little bit people scary. are involved, particularly if there is anything therapeutic. You really need to have a background and an understanding in it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the great thing. But we've all worked in business. Uh -huh. um, my husband's always worked for himself since the age of 23. Wow. Um, but obviously, I've worked in corporate. Yeah. Uh, some of our other associates have worked in large organisations. Mm -hmm. And so we've got both the experience of corporate world. Yeah. Running our own business and therapeutic. Amazing. Um, so you get a very holistic approach. Okay. Um, and, you know, we're all coaches as well. So I first trained as a coach when I was about 17 or 18. Wow. That's and I'm 55 now, so <laughs> a little while ago. So, yeah, so we've got a very, very broad, deep toolkit, but it's all about helping people to live and work with purpose and passion. That's what it comes down to. That's amazing. And when people are living with purpose and passion, they're more productive in all areas of their life. Yeah. They connect better at all levels. It's great. It is. It is. So it's really hard to say, you know, somebody says to me, well, what do you do? What sort of therapist are you? And I said, well, I just help people to live a better life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, well, what do you specialise in? I actually specialise in uh, mental well-being and yeah. fertility, pregnancy and birth. Oh, lovely. And the two are linked hand in hand because yeah. of my own personal experience. Uh -huh. Amazing. And you said, obviously, your spiritual journey inside things started even further back. Yeah. What happened there? Yes. So, um it's in the family, I suppose it's in the blood. So my great-grandmother was a wonderful Welsh woman um, from the valleys. Well, my great-grandparents lived with us when I was a small child, okay. Welsh-speaking, uh -huh. and they were staunch Methodists from the valleys. Okay. So I don't quite know how her spiritual side <laughs> went down in the church, but, you know, fire and brimstone, yeah. God-fearing people. Nothing wrong with that, but that was the, you know, she was born in 1880, so if you think about how how being in that church community was in you know in in the early 1900s mm -hmm. it'd be very different to that experience now um but she used to have precognitive dreams that came true wow i mean quite you know the stories in the family or uh -huh. you know um is she 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 dreamt about um a great uncle um, and she could see him in his car on Christmas Eve and it was icy mm -hmm. and she could see this, this big lorry in front and she could just see the car actually going under the lorry. Yeah. And she even um, got a message to my grandmother because it was full of days of telephone mm -hmm. saying, don't, don't let Roland go out, don't let Roland go out, yeah. it must stay at home. And of course it wasn't my grandfather, it was another, because he was one of 11, it was another... Oh. Um, uh, she also, um, m when my grandmother was pregnant, um, she kept having this dream that she came to the door to see her and the new baby, and when she looked in the shawl, there was no baby. Oh, God. And uh, sadly, my grandmother had um, two little girls, one little girl who was stillborn, and a little girl who was born, and then six weeks later died of oh. cot death. In between, she had my dad. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so she just had my dad that survived, but two little girls that she lost. But she dreamt and saw that there was no baby in this little oh. shawl. So some quite tough yes. things she was sort of having dreams about and that came true. Some funny ones as well, um, such as when my grandmother was in the ATS uh, during the war mm -hmm. and um, she went AWOL because she kind of bunked off to see my grandfather mm -hmm. and she could see the military police coming down the down the road because mm -hmm. she was in <laughs> trouble because my grandma hadn't gone back to barracks when she was meant to. <laughs> so yeah, there was more entertaining ones. But you know, she'd come for breakfast in the morning, even when I was a little girl. Obviously, those things, the stories from the family way before mm -hmm. I came along. But even when I was a little girl, she used to say, I've had a dream. And everybody used to say, we don't want to know. <laughs> don't tell us. <laughs> so, um, and my grandma had a, you know, my grandma was very much like that as well. She was very intuitive. Um, there were some instances when she got me out of very, very, very scary situations mm -hmm. as a small child. Um, where she's coming run, running out and, and stopped anything untoward happening. and wow. So, yeah, so it, it kind of was always in the family, uh -huh. always in the family. So right from being a young teenager, I played with tarot cards, was mm -hmm. interested in astrology. Uh, when I was very small, I could, I had clear audience in terms of I could actually hear. Yeah. Didn't like it, frightened me, so I switched it off. Mm -hmm. But I could actually hear spirit when I was little. Um, anybody would think I was pretty nuts. But, you know, a very creative imagination. Yeah. Um, yeah, so most people say like imaginary friends and things now, mm -hmm. but I could hear spirit. Um, so, yeah, it was not that unusual in our household. Yeah. So did that help you then with it not being unusual? Were you able to sort of share that you were experiencing those things with your family or did you still not keep really, it? Not really. It's only looking back that I could see that obviously my great-grandma was like that and mm -hmm. my gran was very intuitive and my dad was very intuitive, although he was very sort of, um, my dad would be very straight-laced, but he would have, but even my mum was the same. On the other side, right. my mum would my mum would still say now. She said she always knows when something's going to happen because she says I get that feeling. And I went, what feeling is that, mum? She said that feeling of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mum. But she always knows when something you know something significant's going to happen. Uh -huh. um, so it wasn't overtly a spiritual family as such. Mm -hmm. It was just that the intuition was quite strong, and that wasn't really poo pooed. But it yeah. wasn't that. We were, you know, it wouldn't be like, you know, my daughter's grown up knowing that her mum's, you know, talks hippie shit, talks to dead <laughs> people, all that type of stuff. That's quite normal uh -huh. um, for her. But, yeah, it wasn't like that. It was just that, that intuition was quite strong in the family. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, you said that you it frightened you and you shut off from it. At what stage in your life then did you start opening up to it? Um, probably as a teenager. Uh -huh. Probably as a teenager. Um, and then it's just been a journey through since then. So, um, and it's been a real blessing at times. Uh -huh. I remember a particular client who came to me for reflexology when I had my first business, which was a therapy centre in Grantham. And um, she'd moved to Grantham. She'd come from a different part of the country. And you know how you do the consultation. Mm -hmm. And she'd kind of said that she'd, she'd been widowed. And her family lived in a different place, but, you know, she'd come to live near her family. And, yeah. um, but she just couldn't settle. She just couldn't right. settle. She couldn't settle where she was near her family. And even if she went back to where she had lived, she still couldn't settle. Uh -huh. 
Um, and so she'd, she'd come for some reflexology just for relaxation and so she thought. Um, and all the way through doing her reflexology, I could sense that I was getting this name. Um, we'll call him Frank, just mm -hmm. to protect, protect yeah. identity. <laughs> so we'll call him Frank. And she's and I kept getting this name, this Frank here, this Frank. Just tell her Frank's here, Frank. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I kind of thought, I don't know this lady. I don't know what her beliefs are. And yeah. it's a really sensitive subject, mm -hmm. isn't it? So I kind of very gently broached the subject. Does just the name Frank mean anything to you? And she just kind of went, yes. Uh -huh. Yes. That was my husband. I went, oh, okay. And, and does a, a little gold locket mean anything to you? And she went, what, this one? And pulled it out from underneath her blouse. Yeah. It was tucked underneath her blouse. And opened it up, uh -huh. and there was a picture of her husband. Oh! And from that moment on, she settled. Amazing. Because she said, "Well, it doesn't matter where I go; I know he's there." Yeah. And therefore, I can settle where I am, mm -hmm. because wherever I am, he's there. And yeah. so, it's a real blessing when mm -hmm. you can sort of share that type of thing. It is, isn't it? I yeah. had a lady a little while ago, and I'm—I wouldn't class myself as a medium. Um, I do sometimes get messages through. Don't know why I don't class myself as a medium, but I sometimes get messages. Yeah. And then other times, if I'm, say, working with somebody hypnosis-wise, if they've lost somebody, that person will come through directly to them. But I always amazing, get the it? sense that they're waiting because all of a sudden I get, like, chills going down my body and all my goose pimply legs. I'm like, okay, they're here. They're waiting for that yeah. opportunity. And then when they come in, and I had a lady sort of very similar. It was actually her best friend that passed away suddenly. And she just hadn't been able to settle ever since. And he was just waiting just to say, like, do you know what? I really love you. I've always loved you. I'm still best friend. I still care about you. I'm still looking out for you. And I'll be there whenever you need me. And that's all she needed just to feel better. It allowed them to say anything that was left unsaid. Yeah, and which is amazing, that knowledge, Which is it? so lovely. It is. Yeah, I mean, I would never sort of, I'd never sort of, sort of stand at a stand in a, a well-being event and, and pass on medicine. It doesn't work like that for me. No. Um, I read feet like people would read palms. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it, that has always been a conduit for me and, oh. and often cards have been a conduit for me, but uh -huh. I can't do it to order. It's either there or it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, so that it's just, just that, those sense that, you know, and, and details that are relevant. Mm -hmm. Um. I can think of other instances as well of a client that comes to mind that a friend had taken their own life and actually it was showing on their feet mm -hmm. and causing them anxiety um, that that actually was able to be cleared as a result of acknowledgement of, yeah. of what was going on. So That's it's quite a very long story short. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I say it's such a gift that you can bring in to give the clients that extra thing that they need mm. to help the shift so it's not just dealing with the physical or what's going on in the mindset, dealing with it at whatever levels it needs to be dealt with, really. And Absolutely. Well. And that's not always going to be that no. spiritual. Sometimes it will be more clinical. Sometimes it will be coaching or sometimes uh -huh. it will be learning about themselves as a leader. And, you know, it, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. It's just having that broad toolkit is, is worthwhile uh -huh. because whatever people present with, you can help them or if you can't help them, like yourself, I've got a really broad spectrum of people around me that I know and trust in terms mm -hmm. of therapists that I can say, you know, I, maybe you could consider this. I know this person and I, you know, I, 
value and trust them as a therapist and, mm -hmm. and maybe they would be able to help you. And that's what it's all about. It's about that community, isn't it? Absolutely. To help people so that they can live to their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. what I really liked what you're saying then is coming back to sort of my story of how you used the tarot with me. So I'd, I'd contacted you that day in a blind panic. And I think I sort of expected you to just sort of read the cards, pick them up and say, this is this, this is this, do this. But you didn't. You actually used a lot of coaching within yeah. that. And I really liked that because it made me, instead of being a passive recipient, that I was an interactive part of that process. Yeah. So you pulled the cards for me and you got me to look at the cards, study the cards. What did I notice in the card? How was I interpreting it? So I would do that and then you would also, from your knowledge of the cards and your intuition, give me some additional insight into them. Absolutely. And you took me back to that first initial almost gut feeling of, well, what's right? What feels right for you? Because like I said, my head was getting in the way, all the logical, yeah. Yeah. over-rationalising, whereas I needed to follow my intuition. So that process just allowed me to go back to that and then feel calm in my decision process. So as soon as I'd finished on our meeting, so it was via Zoom, I was then able to contact the solicitor straight away with a clear answer of, right, yes, proceed with this. This is what we're going to do. Which is brilliant. And here you are. Yes. And here you are. <laughs> I mean, I used to work with the cards in a very predictive way, as many people do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's horses for courses. There's this space for all of the different ways of working. Um, but my preference now is certainly to work with them as a, a reflection, as a mirror. Yeah. As an in intuitive tool that, mm -hmm. you know, is a mirror for the subconscious. So even without any intuitive sort of or predictive intuitive sense, you can still work with the cards. You can work with the cards yourself. We use similar sort of um, approaches with leaders on leadership retreats. Mm -hmm. It might not be tarot cards, but it will be picture cards. Yeah. And we get them to pick one that they really love mm -hmm. and then write a little story about it. Amazing. And just write down what they pick up from that card, all the little story about it. And if they were thinking of that in terms of leadership qualities, what would they say about that card? And they're just random pictures. Mm -hmm. And they write it down. They might be working in pairs and another person might make observation of what they see that, you know, they share and, and they work in pairs. And then, you know, I refer back to them. So, okay, this is giving permission for your subconscious to come forward. So these qualities that you've written about, it's you. Yeah. Then we get them to pick one that they really don't like. Uh-huh and write a story about that if it were the qualities in a, a leader that they they didn't like mm -hmm. or you know were were unhelpful write them down again in pairs share observe yeah and then we say well here's the thing this is your shadow uh -huh. if you're having a bad day this is an element of you that's showing up yeah and they kind of go yeah yeah it is. so now you're aware of that what do you want to do with that mm -hmm. So it's, it's still a coaching process. It's mm -hmm. still a reflective process. It's still tapping into their head, heart and gut, the three centers of consciousness. Yeah. It's still allowing that subconscious to be heard mm -hmm. and bringing it up to the conscious awareness, like you might do in hypnotherapy or any yeah. of the tools that we use. But we do that with leaders, but I do that with cards, with tarot cards, uh -huh. with clients. So it can be a real healing journey. And it's, it, you know, it's great to get sort of that predictive reading you know I've done it I've experienced it what I have found over the years is people can become reliant on that uh -huh. and um, I prefer it to be an empowering experience yeah. whereas if you're reflecting on it yourself 
with permission mm -hmm. I give observations. Um, it means that people are empowered to make decisions rather than thinking, well, this is definitely going to happen. So I, I've got to say no to that. I've got to say yes yeah. to this in order to make that happen. For me, I find I prefer now working in a much more coach in a box way of working yeah. with, with the tarot and, and allowing it to bring your own intuition, your own higher, higher self and your own subconscious forward. Which that's amazing, isn't it? And like you say, that it's allowing people to take charge of their own reality and their experiences. It's honouring their free will. It's honouring mm. their decision making. It might give them guidance, but then it's going to allow them flexibility within that. Like you say, rather than the cards have said this, therefore I need to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Which then could actually take them down a path that's maybe not right, not right for, for them. them. And I know a little while ago I went to a, a night, I've been to two or three of them, you know where you do like a psychic switch? Yeah. So you sat a group of you around a table and you have a card reader and they read each person on the table for three or four minutes and then you swap round. So by the end of the evening you've had four or five or six different readings. And I've been to two of these in quite quick succession. And it was really interesting because almost every reader that I had said something completely different. Mm. Now, that was just useful for me because I thought, oh, I could pick and choose which things I wanted to. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'd maybe gone to one of those, I could have gone down a particular path because I'd been told something. Yeah. Rather than me being part of that process. So I think it's important, like I say, when you're having readings, to be aware that it's only one outcome that's potentially coming forwards because we all have got choice and flexibility. I think it's really good, like you say, when you're giving that guidance, the person's a part of it, you're facilitating yeah. their growth, aren't you? Really? Absolutely, you're facilitating. And some people will have a complete block and they won't be able to see it for themselves. And therefore, you know, there's, there's interventions to help draw forward. So, for example, I say, you know, well, tell me, a, if you're telling a five-year-old child a fairy story about this card, what would it be? Start with Once Upon a Time. And again, it gives that freedom to mm -hmm. just make up a story just make up a story yeah um and then i'll say to them okay so now replace the story with i statements mm -hmm. how does that relate to you and they kind of go oh, yeah it does, yeah, it does. <laughs> okay and you know whether you want to call that higher self your intuition subconscious i don't mind whether you come at it from a psychologically clinical point of view or a very spiritually mm -hmm. esoteric point of view because they're all melding together yeah. in my world. <laughs> um, so, you know, what, what, what information does that give you? How does that help you mm -hmm. choose which path you take? Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm very, very excited. You've just been showing me. But recently you um, released your latest book because you've done more than one book now. I have, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's storytelling with the tarot. And it looks incredible. It is. It's, I'm really, really pleased with the way it's turned out. So during the staying at home period, mm -hmm. which is what I like to call the lockdown period, I ran two 20-week courses on storytelling with the tarot. All different exercises that I've either put together myself or I've learned from over the years from many great teachers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I pulled them all together into a course. And um, all the way through, after the lockdown, I, I, Ian from Lizzie and Events kept saying to me, you know, you really should write a book. You really should write a book. Because every day of the, of the lockdown, I wrote a diary. It was based on, you know, uh, when we were at school, we kind of did about the Great Plague of London. Uh -huh. And um, Thomas Pepys, is it Thomas Pepys? Think so. uh, yeah, diary. He, he kept a diary of that time. And I thought, well, I want to keep a diary of this experience. Mm -hmm. I'm not likely, hopefully, touch wood, not likely to have another experience like that in yeah. my lifetime. 
So I wanted to document it, but I wanted mm -hmm. to do it in a slightly different way. So every day I picked three cards and I wrote the story yeah. of that day all the way through the mm -hmm. lockdown during the pan pandemic. And Ian kept saying, you should put this into a book, you should put this in a book. But I didn't. But I thought what I would put into a book is that experience of running those 20 weeks yeah. during that lockdown period, which helped lots of us keep safe, well and connected, yes. which was lovely. Mm -hmm. It made a little community online. Um, and so that's what I did. I kind of then made it into a book and a workbook that was mm -hmm. be beautifully illustrated. It's got workbook sheets. It's, it's not heavily text laden. It's mm -hmm. here's the lesson. Here's the you know, instructions of how to carry out the lesson. Now, get on and do it and, yep. you know, just note your, your experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I've just had a look at it now and it, like you say, it's beautifully presented. But I can see that it's really well structured and really well paced yeah. throughout and you can go at your own pace. Absolutely. But I quite like that because it gives the key details of what you need to know at a time without it just being too much text. Because I know I learn a lot by doing. I'm quite yeah. practical. And if I get a book or something that is just pages and pages and pages of words, I find it very hard to process all of that information and how to apply it. So I think it's really well paced. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it. Yeah. So I hope that other people that it crosses their path, they'll be really mm -hmm. pleased with it as well. And I'm going to be buying a copy. And you've said sort of best way to go about it is get it directly from Yeah, you, you. can get it from Amazon, but you can get it directly from me for a little bit cheaper. Which is always a nice bonus. Which is always <laughs> a nice bonus, yeah. Um, and I'm going to be at the Pure Spirit event at the weekend, Barry John's. I'm only going to be there on the Sunday. Uh -huh. so I've got a rather special birthday, as I mentioned earlier, my daughter's yeah. uh, birthday at the weekend. So I'm on Friday and Saturday exciting birthday duties. Oh, um, Hub is in charge of Sunday, so I'm going to be speaking at that event on Sunday and also have a stand there. So if you want to come along and have a look at the book, that's for yourself, uh, then you're more than welcome to. And like I say, it's, it's only your latest book. So you've written a book before, is that I true? have, yeah. It's a little while ago now, back in 2012. And it's called Get a Life, the Guidebook. Right. Obviously, what's it about? Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a collection of different chapters. It started off from my blog that I used to write. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's quite eclectic. Yeah. But every short chapter... Um, is concluded by questions to pose to yourself and reflect on during that yeah. day. So it's kind of book where you can read it from cover to cover or you can literally open it on a page and go to the nearest chapter and there will be a message in that chapter for you, a little bit like picking a card or an oracle. Yeah. Uh, there will be a message in that chapter for you. So it's not something you just read and then that's it done. It literally works a little bit like an oracle. So you can just flick through and open it and then it might be just a sentence or the whole chapter mm -hmm. or something you need to reflect on. Or you can read it from cover to yeah. cover and, and carry out the exercises you want. But it's very, very eclectic about self-belief, uh, personal growth, reflections on, you know, there's all sorts of things. There's one chapter called Love Your Shoes. Right. And um, I wrote that chapter because I was thinking, right, what shall I write about today? And I looked down and my hubby John had bought me a pair of sandals from, they were gold sandals, little flowers down the front. I remember them perfectly. In fact, I've still got them. And I'd taken them off and I got my feet up. And I looked down at these shoes and on the inside it said, love your shoes. I think they were from probably Georgia, Asked uh -huh. or something. They probably all say that, yeah. <laughs> but love your shoes. And I thought, oh yeah, 
So what's that telling me? And again, tap into my intuition, my higher self, universe, whatever you want to call it, and began to write. And it was very much about, you know, actually, where do we try to fit into uncomfortable shoes? Where do we wear uncomfortable shoes? And what does that say about our soul? Yeah. What does that say about us if we're trying to fit our feet into something that's really uncomfortable? What is that a metaphor for in our life? Where are we trying to fit ourselves into situations, relationships, jobs, roles that are uncomfortable, that mm -hmm. aren't truly who we are? Yeah. And then if we could step into somebody else's shoes, what would that feel like? Mm -hmm. Or if we could be completely comfortable? And if we were a pair of shoes, what type of shoes would we be? What type of shoes would you be? Oh, I'd be a pair of boots. You'd be a pair of boots? Yes, they'd be quite fancy boots, I think. They'd probably have some lace up things up for it and maybe some like I don't know some sort of quirky details <laughs> okay okay so again what does that say about you and your soul's longing oh I suppose it's wanting like color and variety and sort of that practical capability to go through any circumstance or situation but do it in a bit more of a flamboyant and creative way. <laughs> quirky and a bit quirky, which yeah. kind of probably sums you up perfectly, doesn't yes. it? <laughs> it does. So it's that type of thing. Oh, I it's, love it's this. It's that type yeah. of thing. Um, uh, there's lots of song references because anybody who truly knows me will know that I think in song lyrics. Mm -hmm. When I'm having a conversation, somebody will say a sentence and instantly, that's it, I've got a, a theme tune playing. So I think in songs. That's awesome. I don't know if it's a thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing, but I do think in songs very often. <laughs> there's lots of uh, song references in there. In fact, there's one, um, the Lenny Kravitz song, um, If You Want It, You Just Have to Believe. Mm -hmm. And that was um, from a comment that my really good friend, Lisa Gates, made. She says, oh, when I listen to this song, it makes me think of you because this sums you up. If you want it, you've just got to believe. And I write a whole oh. chapter around that. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of, uh, there's one that's uh, Namaste, Aloha, Shalom, mm -hmm. uh, which is about these really sacred greetings in different cultures. Yeah. Uh, and yet we just say hello. Mm -hmm. And actually, how, how often do we just walk past people in the street without taking the opportunity to acknowledge another human, yeah. another soul on mm -hmm. the journey? Whereas in other cultures, namaste, aloha, shalom, they've got so much imbued in that greeting. Mm -hmm. There's a depth of meaning in connecting with another soul. Yeah. And yet we dismiss hello and we don't take the opportunities to take the time on our journey mm -hmm. to stop and say hello and acknowledge the other souls that are walking alongside us. So that's the type of thing. Mm -hmm. Very eclectic with whatever stimulated me to write mm -hmm. on that particular chapter with questions at the end of it so that came out in 2012 it's in my old name if anybody's looking for it it's in my old name of Lisa Whitehead before I remarried okay yeah because that's how I know so because I was thinking I'm sure your name didn't used to be that but I couldn't remember yeah. what so you've answered that question so yeah there'll be two books on my list to so there's that and then there is uh, there is a tarot journal as well which is a simple journaling book it literally is a journal to look at mm -hmm. daily reflections new moon and full moon reflections as oh, well how lovely so yeah but i think that's really useful what you said about those questions because i think questioning is so important to give us insights deeper insights into ourselves and to help us on our journey because we all are yeah. on our own individual journey in our path but when we understand ourselves more we can get to where we want and need to be we can clear the stuff that no longer serves yeah. us 
And it also means then we're more aligned with the world around us, really, and connecting in a positive and fulfilling way. I'm going to quote my husband on this. So if he's listening <laughs> to this, I'm quoting you, John. So he says that questions are the juice. He said, questions are the juice, baby. He said, they're <laughs> like Christmas Day. He loves questions. Because if we ask high quality questions, mm -hmm. we're likely to get high quality answers. If we get high quality answers, that allows us to make better um, assessment of our situation, to make better, more well-informed decisions. If we can make more well-informed decisions, we can get movement, action, traction, and change. That's so that's fantastic. how he sees questions. And everything that we have ever manifested or brought around in our life is as a result of the questions we ask ourselves. Absolutely. What house do I want to live in? What type of partner do I deserve? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what sort of role in the world am I worthy of taking up? You yeah. know, whatever we do, whatever we have manifested to this point right now, is the result of the questions we've asked ourselves. That's so true. I'd never thought about it quite in that way. I love that. I mean, I, I use questioning a lot sort of on self-reflection because, as I keep saying, a few years ago, I made a commitment of, right, universe, bring it on. I'm clearing everything, not only from this lifetime, but every lifetime I've ever lived. Yeah. Um, so every single experience I have, I question it all the time. What is it teaching me? What's going on with my shadow? What am I not wanting to see? What am I not wanting to observe? What can I learn for this? How do I need to grow? Where does this situation stem from? And it's through those questions. They often then lead to further questions. Oh, yeah. But it's such an interesting journey. Oh, it is. It reminds me of one of the teachers I had along the journey. So I've been really blessed on several occasions mm -hmm. to be able to go and do things on a journalist path. So I've written for magazines mm -hmm. and newspapers. And so people have asked me to go along and do stuff yeah. so that I can write about it, which is really lovely because I enjoy writing. And then I get paid to write and I get to go on these things. Amazing. I get very little time to do that stuff yeah. these days, but I used to have some time to do mm -hmm. that. So one of those things was energetic NLP. I don't know if you've come across energetic NLP. A little bit, but it's mainly because you introduced me to the concept yeah. of it. Yeah. So uh, by a great guy from uh, the States called Art Geyser. Mm -hmm. So he's the founder of energetic NLP. And I know that when I went on the training to write about it, it didn't feel like it got anything to do with NLP as I understand it. Yes. But I can now see the links a little bit more. But it is, it is very spiritual and it's mm -hmm. very abstract in its, its kind of application, but really powerful. But one of the things that stuck with me is a phrase that he used, which is belief du jour. Okay. So obviously French for belief of the day, mm -hmm. belief du jour. Um, and he said that with every experience I've had, mm -hmm. with everything that I've learned, everything I know to this point, this moment, right now, this is what I believe. Yeah. But from this moment emanates all of the future. Yeah. And so tomorrow I may learn something new that will change that, mm -hmm. or next week or next year. So he said he, he liked this belief du jour, belief of the day, that means that with the experience that I've had, what past lives, this life, everything up until this point forms this belief, but mm -hmm. that could change in the next moment, that could change tomorrow, that could change next week. And so that we're not fixed, we're fluid and we're constantly growing and evolving. And I like that idea. I love that because it means we learn, we grow. It means we can forgive ourselves for where we were in the past because we did the best we could with the knowledge and experience we'd had at the time. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean we have to be 
stuck to that, it separates our behaviours from the core of who we are. Yeah. And, and it shows that we can have that flexibility. We can change our beliefs at yeah. any moment that we want to allow them to serve us better. I'm going to quote my husband again. Um, he said, you know, in the world, um, beliefs divide and values unite. Mm -hmm. So some of our beliefs are empowering to us and really helpful. And some of them obviously are limiting yes. and disempowering. So it's working out what that is for each of us at any given moment, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that then comes back really to that self-development, doesn't it? I think the more we can be working on ourselves, the better versions of ourselves that we become. I think we're all a work in progress, aren't we? We're never Absolutely. done. Unless we're pushing up daisies and then we get to learn it next time around anyway. <laughs> but that's what I love about our well-being community as well, because all of us are very much committed to that path at whatever level we're on of yeah. that self-refinement that self-reflection that do you know what we're on a journey and we've got that flexibility and fluidity to keep having a journey and experience and now sometimes I look back to sort of those situations before I was aware that existed mm. and it was just living through that day-to-day -day monotony of just doing things without being reflective as to why I think how did I ever live like that yeah um, and this is going to sound derogatory and it's really not meant to be but it's kind of the muggle world isn't it <laughs> to, you, to use a, a harry potter reference yeah. or metaphor it's like the muggle world and you kind of think i can't remember a time i can't remember a time now where it is not like it you know being in in personal development and growth either from the training development side mm -hmm. of the business or from the therapeutic spiritual side of the business i i can't remember a time when it wasn't like that mm. now well, feel like we've got access to like pure magic yeah and miracles little everyday miracles that happen all around us and within us every single day and that's such a special thing to be part of that's another chapter in the first book oh, expect no. a miracle <laughs> that's great see we're completely in sync now yeah <laughs> yeah like an that. intuitive <laughs> comment there yeah so it's almost time for us to finish the podcast it's gone so quickly it's gone really fast um I could talk for hours and hours. I love these conversations. So have you got any final words, any final thoughts that you could leave with our listeners today that might help them on their journeys? Be you, do you. It's, you know, everybody else has already taken. Mm -hmm. So constantly be, you know, asking yourself questions because that what that's what leads to self-knowledge and self-wisdom. Um, if you, I mean, most people listening to this are not going to be kind of against the woo-woo stuff. But, you know, because I work both in a, a business setting and a very spiritual setting, and just be yourself wherever you go. Mm -hmm. You know, take that woo-woo with you. Wherever you Absolutely. are, just be you, do you. Uh -huh. uh, and don't be afraid to just shine and show up to the world. Absolutely. Oh, that's been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank today. you for having me. It's and been so great. Could you just give details again as to where people can find you and your books and things so that they know? Yeah, absolutely. So I have, from the therapy side of things, I've got a website, which is www.getalife-uk.co.uk. Um, for the business side of things, if you're looking to develop you in your business or your team, it's www gettheedgeuk.co.uk um, and yeah so you can get me on either of those or you can get me on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter although you use that too much, LinkedIn on all the socials mm -hmm. just find me under Lisa Davies or uh, 
get a lie. Amazing. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, thank you ever so much for tuning in today. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe. If you would like to find out more about the therapies that we provide and the training we offer, please visit our website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. You can also find us on social media.